Hey everyone, before we get started, we want to give a shout out to our friends at Death or Glory Bar in Delray Beach, Florida. When we take our trip to Florida to find my biological father, we'll be recording content for the show. We'll be making a special stop there. Look for updates from us on the show's social media accounts. If you're in Florida, check them out and follow them on Instagram, Yelp, and Twitter. If you stop in and tell them you're a fan of the First Michael podcast, you'll get a special treat. They'll definitely smile at you and nod enthusiastically. Annie and crew at Death or Glory Bar, we can't wait to see you soon. Listeners, stay tuned at the end of the episode because we're going to close with some exclusive bonus content only for people who are listening to the show right now. It's not available to people who are not listening. But seriously, stay tuned at the end to hear my siblings, aunt and cousins say what they think of my quest to meet my biological father and find out why this episode, our season one finale, is called And You Brought Me Home. I promise you won't want to miss it. Welcome to The First Michael, the storytelling podcast with a number of wicked twists, most of which go badly for me and yet I persevere. I've got another one for you on this episode. Something wicked this way twists, Laney. But first, we have to talk about this epic milestone. We're at the finale of season one of the show. We're recording this on June 25th. Listeners will get to hear it on July 6th, and we'll leave the following week on our fateful trip to find my biological father. What will season two look like? We have no idea. We know we'll come back and tell you the story of what happens on the trip, but will we create another eight-episode story arc? Will there be a season three? Who else should we look for? Will we create just one more very special episode to tell you what happened and then end the podcast? Lainey, when you think about the future of what the show might look like, are you hoping for a 10-year run of wild commercial success? Or are you like, let's wrap this sucker up. I've got house projects and a hot boyfriend to attend to. Well, the latter is true. <laughs> uh, we know. <laughs> uh yeah, I, um, to be honest, tenure, um, another 10 years doing a podcast uh, would be awesome. I don't know if I can stand a podcast where I'm crying every fucking podcast. <laughs> I don't think anyone could stand a podcast where I'm crying everyone. Um, but yeah, I think, yeah, I think the, it's so, the, it's so much unknown that it's really hard for me to fathom what season two is going to be. Um, because I think there's so many elements. We don't know what's going to happen. We don't even know if we're going to see him. We don't know mm -hmm. what's, you know, we could be stranded in Dallas for the duration. <laughs> and then I got to come home. So <laughs> no, we have a direct flight. So. As long as everyone behaves on the flight and we don't get rerouted <laughs> to fucking Dallas. Why are you so intently looking at me? Like I'm going to be the one. Thinking it more might be you. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it's there's Yeah, there's, there's so many variables that. I think there's going to be some great content. Um, how it will come in play with <laughs> the story, I don't know. Like, it just is. Yeah, I literally was thinking, like, you know, thinking, like, two years from now, I think it would be cool if we did a podcast where, like, we went to other countries or other towns and did a job for a day mm -hmm. and just, like, <laughs> or, like, had to go camp for a day cause, or for a couple, like, for a week. And just the conversations we would have and the frustration that we'd have. It would be so much fun. We'd both be angry and, yeah, 
I just think that'd be a funny podcast. We are at our best when we're angry. Um, but yeah, when I, you started saying that, I thought you you were going to say we we should travel to other countries and find other people's fathers. <laughs> Dude. We become like daddy detectives. Well, it depends on how this turns out. If, no, if we, we like, can't even find this guy. No like, shit, no one's right? going to hire us. Um, I think we need, like, depending on what our, uh, our uh, process is, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. do we, we get arrested? Um, Good segue. Do we get we beaten are... up? <laughs> then probably not. We probably should not, yeah, do any other ones. Right, right. Well, that's a, it's a nice segue because we are going to explore some possibilities of what might happen when we go to Florida in this mm-hmm. episode. So that is coming. Um, I do want to say this to the listeners. You know we recorded the first seven episodes of the show before it debuted, but we intentionally waited to record this episode until the show was available to listeners so we could reflect on what we've heard from you. We invited you to tell us your stories and to reach out to us, and you have. And it's been so touching to know you're on this journey with us and the ways in which it's meaningful to you. So the show centers around my stories, but I feel like it belongs to all of us now. And I want, to, I want it to be a storytelling experience that feels complete, like we're creating something that always exists in service of the story and not just keeping a podcast going. So to that end, listeners, if you want to email us at the first Michael podcast at gmail.com or message us on social media to let us know what you hope the future of the show looks like, we'll be listening. When we encouraged people to send us their stories, we said we might share some of our favorites on the show. And we may do that in the future, but I had anticipated getting a mix of funny stories and some that were more serious. What I've gotten has been stories that are pretty personal and Again, I'm really touched that people shared anything with me, and I am writing back to people. Um, and so please, if you want to write in, please continue to do that. Um, and if you want to do that, but you're worried that we might read something personal on the show, we won't. If we share stories in the future, it will be with permission from the senders. As it turns out, we both received a story with permission to share, and you got one with a bit of a twist, right, Lainey? I did. Yeah. Which one specifically are you talking about? <laughs> about your name. There's oh. more about your name that you didn't know. Yes. So, um, yeah. <laughs> so my sister, who actually is a huge fan of the show, she's like, like she texted me about the caftan and Mrs. <laughs> Roper. And I was like, ah, ha, ha. And then I was like, oh, shit, that's this episode. I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> like she would just randomly say that. But yeah, she's definitely one of the biggest fans. And like immediately, like, the minute we talked about it on the show, she was like, um, well, okay, the first story I got was that initially my was supposed to be named Victoria. Victoria. Victoria, right? Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's nice. It's a beautiful name. I have actually have a friend named uh, yeah. Victoria. It's a beautiful name, but I'm just like, it would probably make more sense because, like I said, my middle name's Michelle, which is, you know, it's not a bad name, but it's not that uncommon so i was like why don't i get laney right michelle i should say is a lovely name but every time you say it you say michelle (laughs) my middle name's michelle and you kind of wreck it (laughs) well that's i think when i said it i was like but it's not a bad name even though i say it like that every time um but yeah she said that um my mom wanted to name me victoria and my dad said no laney and we were like, I don't know where they got it. Maybe it was someone he was seeing at the time. And I was like, whoa, okay, this took a turn. <laughs> and then I get a message later. Uh, I think it was actually the next day. Um, she's like, oh, I was mistaken. Um, 
mom wanted to call you Victoria, and dad said no, so she came up with Lainey. So still, no answer, where the fuck did you get Lainey? Right. But I was supposed to be called Victoria. I see. What? So you, you, you were named. Now you I'm going to go look for pencils for Victoria. Victoria. That's going to be my yeah. name. <laughs> and we start calling me Victoria, because that's my nickname now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. my goodness. You got a backup name. Wow. I do. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Jackie. Yeah. Um, I also got permission to share one. It's pretty quick. Uh, someone wrote in to me. Here it is. Hello, Michael. In episode one of your podcast, you asked to be told the story of my name. Okay, here goes. My name is John Thomas. I was born September 1961. I was the first male born into my mother's side of the family after my grandfather died in 1959. Thus, I was given his name in honor and remembrance. He died very rapidly from cancer and at the ungodly age of 50. He left behind a wife and nine kids. I was named John Thomas after my maternal grandfather, John slash Jack Hughes. Your grandfather. Regards, Jack Daly. Now, a few things come up for me here. One, I love that Jack wrote to me, and he also sent me a beautiful picture of my grandparents together when they were young. Listeners can go to our Facebook or Instagram page if they'd like to see it. Jack, if you're listening, thank you for that. Two, <clears throat> Lainey, as you know, I'm just, I'm not that bright, so I, I spent quite a while going, okay, so Jack is my uncle, cousin. I'm pretty sure he's my cousin. <laughs> I could have asked him, but it also just seems so dense to say to someone, so does that mean we're cousins? <laughs> okay, well, what are you to me? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Can you break this down? Uh, unfortunately, it's also unimpressive to not ask and then just sound like a damn idiot on your own podcast. And here um, we are. Here we are. Um, and so again, Jack, if you're listening, uh, wait, no, I'm pretty sure Jack just stopped the episode. Yeah, he's, he's not on yeah, anymore. we're done. Uh, third thing about this, the note says... My grandfather, quote, died very rapidly from cancer and at the ungodly age of 50, which is precisely the age I am right now, Jack. Thanks for that jolt of terror. Jack stopped listening two minutes ago. I don't even know who I'm talking to. Uh, fourth thing, I don't understand why some people named John also go by Jack. Didn't JFK do that too? Yeah, I yeah. never understood that either. I spent many years as a kid wondering if Jack Kennedy was a whole different person. <laughs> <Did you? laughs> Uh, it doesn't seem to accomplish anything. Like, they're both one-syllable J names. Right. Maybe I should Google why, but I think we've established that I'm really comfortable lingering in my own ignorance. Anyway, <laughs> there is our first reading of a listener letter from my beloved cousin Jack. Or uncle. In the spirit of reading things from the family, you'll remember in episode three, I read from some journal entries written by my mom, Regina. I saved one excerpt for this episode. I'm going to read you the final, very short entry she made when she was journaling about giving me up for adoption. Her final words were about a conversation with my biological father. The backstory is that my maternal grandma, Anne, lived with her kids, including my mom, next door to my biological father's father, my paternal grandfather. Both of their spouses had died young, and so they were each raising kids as single parents. 
So my understanding is that my biological grandfather on my dad's side was maybe interested in my biological grandmother on my mom's side, but she wasn't interested in him. And then their children, my parents, hooked up. Why? Because this is my life. Uh, that's some context to help you understand these last words of my mom's journal entries about me, and they contain the only indication I have of how my biological father felt about me. Here goes. Anyway, maybe six months after the baby, I see Michael, she means my father Michael, outside. I was coming home from work. We started to talk, and he said to me that the whole thing with me was to show Anne, my grandmother, never to hurt his father. It was all spite, or so he said. I said, asshole, it cost all of you a child. I was sick and heartbroken again. Look upon me with fresh eyes, Laney Hoyo, for I am a product of spite. You thought you knew me, but now you see the stain of spite that tarnishes my golden halo. By the way, can we all take a moment to appreciate the podcast art and the title of this show? It just works on so many levels. <laughs> I don't want to be too self-congratulatory, but I need a moment for myself considering what I just shared. And what I just shared, to recap, is that I'm the product of spite-fucking. <laughs> Maybe we should rename this podcast Spiteful and Spunky. A little spite, a little spunk. Nine months later, boom, this is what it looks like. <laughs> and I made Mike laugh, yes. So now how excited are you to take this trip to find my daddy? Dude. An episode so what's my role? We're going to have to talk about that. Because <clears throat> am I going to be like in the background just like giving death stares if he does open the door? <laughs> <laughs> Just back there across the street, Marn's crossed. <laughs> I'm glad you asked. We're going to work through that okay. later in the episode. Okay. In very specific ways. Oh. So in episode one, I said something like this. Today's episode is called Perfect Good Heart, and I'm going to tell you about the origin of me. But whoops, wicked twist. I actually wasn't sent directly from heaven to answer my parents' prayers. I was spite spunk. That's a sharp contrast, narratively speaking. <laughs> so now we're going to go find him and be like, what? Hey, Dad, let's have a relationship. I like your boat. <laughs> Can I have a ride in it? Can I come see your band play? We're now probably teetering on the verge of people being concerned about my state of mind and emotional stability. No need. I'm actually fine, and I have a very good therapist. I'm the living embodiment of spiteful sperm. <laughs> But, you know, we've all got our cross to bear. I think this is a good time to introduce a new segment on the show, and it's called Choose Your Own Fucked Up Adventure. Uh, and it will get at some of the questions surrounding what your role will be, Lainey. Good. So if we're going to have a new segment, I would like a new segment intro to kick it off, please, Mike. And now it's time for Choose Your Own Fucking Adventure. Oh my God, it's, first of all, it's choose your own fucked up adventure. Guys, can we really not do better with our segment introductions? No. Okay. Jesus. Uh, all right, here's how it works. <laughs> As we've established, we know where my bio biological father lives, but we don't really have a plan for how to approach him. And of course we have no idea how he'll react, although we assume it's somewhere on the spectrum of overt hostility. So I've created a game. <laughs> 
I've created a game to help us and our listeners try to visualize some potential scenarios of how this plays out. I'll set up the story, and then Lainey, you'll be presented with some options, just like in the Choose Your Own Adventure stories we used to read as kids. You did read those, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, good. Here's the setup. We arrive in the city. I'm sorry, listeners, she's lying. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I told you I suck at lying. <laughs> you, you know, you carried that off really well. I just feel badly now. Lainey doesn't know. It's, it's pretty self-explanatory, but I can't believe you didn't acting. read Choose. Man. Uh, you know what? People I would, would not have known. <laughs> that was minute. some skillful acting you right there. landed it. Anyway, here's the setup. We arrive in the city where he lives, and we hole up in a Motel 6 on the outskirts of town to begin preparations for a stakeout of his house. Mm. You pack binoculars, a rack of monster energy drinks, and a sack of corn nuts. I pack... <laughs> <laughs> I pack... A half gallon of fireball and an empty milk jug because I have to pee every 15 minutes and I can't risk being arrested for pissing in someone's arbovita. Suddenly, I get an alert on my phone. My bio dad has made a rare Facebook post that says, can't wait, having dinner out tonight with the whole family. Haven't had all three kids together for months. So we can go to the restaurant where they'll be eating and take advantage of the opportunity to meet the whole family or stake out the house to wait for them to come home from dinner, hoping my biological dad will be lightly buzzed and in a good mood and we won't have to worry about my siblings at this point. So you choose restaurant or house. Restaurant, first of all, food. Second of all, we don't have to go to them right away and they can't make a scene. Mm. Oh, we'll see about that. All right, you chose restaurant, so it says turn to page 49. Okay, 49. Here we go. Okay. It says, see, listener, she doesn't know how this works. This is how it goes. Okay. So you're reading this book, and, like, you, you, you know, they sort of set up this adventure, and then you have these decision points. And so if you choose one or the other, then you go to another part of the book, and it tells Didn't you what Didn't this happen in the movie to. Big? Sure. They had a digital version of it? Maybe. <laughs> All right, page 49. Here we are. It says, my biological father and stepmommy are trying to decide whether to celebrate the family coming together by taking everyone out to a fancy dinner at the Four Seasons or if they should keep it casual and fun with a trip to Dave and Buster's for some beast mode bacon burgers. I looked up their menu, by the way, listeners. Beast mode bacon burgers are real and you can chase one down with a Tito's Long Island peach tea. Delicious. Dave and Buster's, that's a free commercial. Email me at thefirstmichaelpodcast at gmail.com for sponsorship opportunities. Laney, do they choose the Four Seasons or Dave and Buster's? Yeah, Four Seasons. Sorry. Sorry, Dave and Buster's. Uh, I'm going to get a nice meal out of this fucking bullshit. <laughs> okay. You, okay, you choose Four Seasons. Turn to page 18. Page 18. Here we go. We cannot believe this unimaginable stroke of luck. You grab the car keys, I pound half the bottle of Fireball, and we race to the Four Seasons. When we get there, we attempt to stroll into the dining room to confront the whole family with the truth, but the maitre d' stops us and asks if we have a reservation. It's just as well, because after all that Fireball and your haphazard driving, I have to puke like nobody's business. So I just fire hose a stomach bowl of Fireball all over his shoes. You use the distraction to bust into the dining room, sense sensing that the whole plan is falling apart and you must take dramatic immediate action so you yell 
All right, you motherfuckers. Which one of you motherfucking fuckers is Michael? The room falls into stunned silence. My bio dad starts to stand up, but before he can get to his feet, my brother Michael jumps up and storms right at you and says, I'm Michael. Who the fuck wants to know? And you're like, oh yeah, there's two of you. <laughs> This is so messed up. Why am I even on this trip? But then he's still coming towards you, and you know he's a puncher because I told you I could tell he's a puncher, and now you see what I'm saying. So you scream, I'm not here for you, motherfucker, and you punch him square in the balls. He goes down like a guy who just got punched square in the balls. You turn back to the table where the rest of the family is now weeping, except for my two sisters who jump up, flip the table, and grab the steak knives. You're like, these hoes are batshit crazy. I'm out. You take off running. You can already hear sirens in the distance. You're frantically looking for me. Turns out the maitre d' was smoking hot and very forgiving. So we're in the bathroom cleaning up, if you know what I'm saying. And all three of us end up getting arrested. You, me, and Vincenzo, the smoking hot maitre d'. Your mission has failed. Go back to page seven. This is some bullshit. <laughs> this is a bad call. A bad call on that one. Uh, so we're back at the beginning. So what do you think? Try Dave and Buster's or choose the option to stake out the house. Yeah, I'm going to go stake out. Stake out? Yeah. All right. Uh, turn to page 76. We park half a block away from my bio dad and stepmommy's house. Things are a little tense between us in the car. I'm irritated that you insist on wearing a wide-brimmed bonnet, mirrored sunglasses, and a gauzy black caftan as if a disguise mm. is really necessary. You're irritated with me because I'm drunk on Fireball and I keep fighting with you about whether or not I should ask my bio dad where I got this French penis from. To make things worse, I'm slurring my words and I keep saying French penis and I keep crying like, Lanny, where did I get this French penis? <laughs> Listeners, now's a good time to tell you we're starting a boutique line of merchandise for the show. Go to our website now and for the next 24 hours, you can order a teal polo shirt with the phrase, ask me about my franche penis for only $79.95. <laughs> it's perfect for spontaneous family reunions. Don't wait, get yours today. Just as things are getting unbearable between us, a car pulls into the driveway and a man gets out and starts to walk towards the house. I say, is that him? And you say, hold on, and you pull your binoculars out of your purse. These things don't work for shit, you complain. And I'm like, try taking off those ridiculous sunglasses already. And you're like, oh yeah, that's better. Yep, that's your daddy. We decide that you'll stay in the car ostensibly so we can make a quick getaway if things go south. But honestly, I don't want you stand there looking like a hungover Elizabeth Taylor when daddy opens the door. Your outfit is preposterous. <laughs> okay, time to make your next choice. Oh my God. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> okay. Uh... I stumble up to the front step after you insist I leave my bottle of fireball in the car and I knock on the door. The door opens, but it's not my bio dad that answers. Is it my brother Michael or my stepmommy? <laughs> I'm gonna say brother. We gotta find out what happens with the brother. Brother, okay, yes. good choice. Let's see what happens. Page 92. <laughs> Page 92, door opens and I make eye contact with my brother, Michael, and I think he looks like a pretty good guy in person. I hold out my hand for a shake and I say, hi, Michael, this is gonna sound crazy, but I'm your bro, and then he punches me. <laughs>
one-punch death blow right in the throat. I drop to the ground. You peel out and just start driving back to fucking Portland. <laughs> Michael spits on my carcass and slams the door. Your mission has failed. Go back to page seven. Oh, my God. Oh, that's tough. But the clues were there. You should have seen that coming. I, I should have. <laughs> I thought maybe with a fireball would lend it to a different non-punchy one-sided situation. Well, he didn't have the fireball. <laughs> no, I thought like there would be more like, I don't know, unexpected ninja action. <laughs> Sadly, no. But no. Nope. Okay, so uh, the, there are only two choices left. Either Stepmommy opens the door or we go to Dave and Buster's. Stepmommy. Why not? I can't. <laughs> Stepmommy. Okay, page 23. The door opens. I say... Hi, I'm so sorry to bother you. I'm hoping to speak to Michael. Stepmommy looks at me and smiles gently. Oh, my darling, you must be Michael. I can see him in you. We've been waiting for this day. My heart is about to burst. Not only is she super nice, she's got a posh British accent, which I can Im imitate on the podcast when I tell stories about this moment. I'm so excited. I don't even notice... <laughs> I don't even notice her pull out a double-barreled shotgun they keep in an umbrella rack by the front door. She cocks it and blows my franche penis right off <laughs> <laughs> and says, Good luck with your sad, stupid podcast now, you self-involved little twat. I'm embarrassed by this, but at least I don't feel anything because I am lit. <laughs> and then I die. Your mission has failed. Go back to the beginning. Oh, my God, you're so bad at this. Well, I had zero practice and, and warning. God. There's only one choice left now. Dave and Buster's. Oh, God. Is the key to our happy ending with Daddy. Let's find out what happens. Page 41. Here it is. We walk into Dave and Buster's after I finally convince you to change your ridiculous outfit. You're now looking radiant in a suede vest with nothing underneath it and a hippie skirt with flip-flops. That's what you get for taking so long to figure out the right ending to this story. God. The family... <laughs> <laughs> the family is seated around a big table in the back, laughing and regaling each other with stories which are joyful, yet tinged with a sense of melancholy as if they're haunted by a sense that something has been missing from their lives all these years. I roll up and say... Yo, Pops, I'm your boy Michael. What's it take to get one of them beast mode bacon burgers in this joint? Michael jumps up, embraces me, kisses both my cheeks, and says, I can't believe you're here. I was actually going to start searching for you tomorrow. Can you believe that? And I'm like, wow. Is it because you're really disappointed in that other Michael, the fake one? <laughs> and he's like, we'll talk about it later, but oof, that other one. Then he yells to the waiter, Get my son a pint of your finest ale, sir. He looks parched from the summer heat and weary from carrying around a lifetime of abandonment issues. But no more. <laughs> You're home now, my boy. <laughs> You're home. <laughs> I look him in the eyes and it's like I'm looking at a refracted image of myself. I see nothing but a kind man trying to be a better human than the 15-year-old kid who made a mistake. I smile and say, thank you, Michael. And he interrupts and says, no, no, call me dad. I can't believe I'm hearing these words. I swallow hard and I look at him again and say, you know, it feels a little soon for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I was just wondering if I could interview you for my podcast. <laughs> and scene, you have successfully completed your mission. Was that so hard? <laughs> Mike enjoyed that. <laughs> just another Saturday at Dave and Buster's. Uh, father and son reunite. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that... Um, Heartwarming. Yeah. That could, that could, it could go down like that. <laughs> so, I, for one, feel better having sort of fleshed out some possible scenarios. There's actually research that shows that if people... Um, do the thought exercise of imagining how they would react in disaster scenarios, they're more likely to survive than people who don't. So we are now that much more prepared for our trip. Are you going to wear like a metal cod piece in case the stepmommy <laughs> situation might happen? <laughs> Bulletproof. <laughs> Just saying. Protect the French penis. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. Um, Okay, listeners, just a reminder to stay tuned after the sign-off for bonus content you won't want to miss. Interviews with key family members answering the question, what do you think about me taking this trip to find my biological father? You'll also find out why the title of this episode is, And You Brought Me Home. Lini, is there anything you want to say to listeners before we wrap up? Uh, just that I think I really appreciate seeing having somebody listen to it is kind of nerve wracking doing this and then not getting feedback. And we've had such great feedback that I think, um, it really feels good and it makes us feel, uh, at least makes me feel safe for showing up and being here. But, um, I just want to thank our listeners. They've been really cool and I am excited to see what happens in Florida that we can share with them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be, it's going to be super fascinating. Mm -hmm. For sure. All right. Well, Thank you, as Lainey said, so much for supporting us through season one of The First Michael. This show is produced by North Rim Studios in Portland, Oregon. A big thank you to Mike, the sound engineer who has indulged my salty attitude for months. He deserved it, but I thank him anyway. <laughs> the First Michael is independently produced, and your help getting the word out about the show makes a huge difference for us. Your friends and family can now binge the first full season. So if you share us on social media, tell people to listen, rate us on iTunes, it all helps. And if you click follow on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you'll get funny pictures and updates about our trip as it happens. And you'll stay up to date on when to expect season two. Thanks everyone. We'll story with you again soon. Thanks for sticking around for these interviews. They've been edited a little bit for brevity, so you may pick up on that. First up is my Aunt Eileen, who you'll remember from the first couple of episodes was in the hospital on the day I was born and lived in the same building as her neighbors who were friends with my adoptive parents. Here's Aunt Eileen. Honestly, um, tell me what you think about this idea of us going to find my biological father. Wow. I think that if that's something that you need in your life, something that fills out your life more or better, then you should do it. Of course, 
you have to take so many things into consideration. Um, you know, other siblings. Mm-hmm. Um, like- you would, you could get your feelings hurt. <laughs> um, but it could be, it could be a very good thing too. Sure. Um, Probably not, though, yeah. right? <laughs> no, no. You've got to remember, I was on the other side. Yeah. You know, so that, um, you know, that makes a difference. I think that I can't imagine why it wouldn't be a case of this is great, another person in my life to love. More siblings, you know, but then yeah. I'm, I'm a bit of an optimist. And, um, you know, sometimes it's more painful than fulfilling. Mm-hmm. And everybody under those circumstances, I think, is a little bit frightened. And you are the person that all this is about. You know, mm-hmm. so everybody gets, you know, everybody has feelings about it, but I don't always get what the big deal is, except more people in your life. And yeah. that's, that's not a bad thing, you know, unless he's the, a serial killer. <laughs> no, that's not the case at uh, all. No, probably not. When I think of him, he was a skinny little boy. Yeah. He was 15. Mm-hmm. You know. So, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, I would say, don't let him leave this world and not get a crack at it. Next up is my cousin, Anne. She was the person who got the alert from Ancestry.com about my DNA results matching closely with hers. When my mom, Regina, was pregnant with me, she lived with Aunt Eileen and my cousin Anne was a toddler at the time. So, in a sense, Anne and I lived together 50 years ago. Here she is answering the question. I only can, can think of, if I say something wrong, my mother calling me up. Anne, how could you say that? <laughs> <laughs> so this is a question that, I'm ask, that I've asked uh, Molly, Matthew, and your mom, and I want... You, okay. I want you to just be like brutally honest with me. What do you think? Oh, because because I'm not. I know. <laughs> You're the last person I need to say. <laughs> right, you don't. It's the disclaimer I'm giving everybody. Yeah. Um, okay, that's fine. What do you think about the idea of me going to look for my biological father? Oh wow. Um, I think that that's a tough one because, like. I don't want to see you, you know, get hurt by the fact if he decides, you know, that he's not interested. I totally understand why you would want to, and I would encourage you to do so, but just be careful. You know, don't, you know, set the bar or set your expectations low so that you're not hurt. Yeah. Well, I mean. I mean, that's, that's how I would look at it. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, two things. One, um, (laughs) 
I am I have a bitter jaded heart of stone, so that's not likely. Um, but also, okay. I think the bar is pretty low. Like the guy. Okay. I mean, I think the expectation is that the guy's not going to be super excited to see. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I mean, I hear you. I yeah. mean, I, I mean, I would, I totally understand why you would want to go and do that. You know, um, I, I mean, it's it's a you know, interesting or, you know, I'm sure you have a shit ton of questions, you know, that you would want to get answered. Yeah. You I know? mean, I, I, don't, <laughs> I, I, I mean, I could imagine, you know, like my, what I expect to happen is that he's, he's going to not want engagement, but if he does, <laughs> um, you know, I think I might just be like, so not expecting it that I might just be like, right. so how are you? <laughs> Listen, you have to look at it this way, right? You know, if he's an asshole, you key his car. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. Don't <laughs> going, say it on the air, Ann. I'm <laughs> going for the boat. Oh, no, I can't I'm going that. for the boat. Oh, right, right. The boat. That's right. right. We're blowing up the boat. <laughs> oh, that's right. The boat. Now it's my brother Matthew's turn. You'll remember Matthew from the first few episodes because he's my brother and you were paying attention. Okay, here's Matthew. I love that. I think when um, when we were in Chicago and the two of you talked to me about, like, Molly had an idea about how to approach this and you had your idea and... Um... Yeah, she... I was, <laughs> I, I was like, wow, this is what we're going to do. And she's like, we're not doing that. Like, she's like, we're not... I'm like, and, I, and, and really what I really... Like, <laughs> Like, I, like, like the, the spoiled little brother in me came out and, at one point. She just like dug her heels in. We're not doing that. Like that's insane. We're gonna send him a message. I'm like you can't send him a message that ruins it right there. Now he knows. Like, you can't. We can't surprise him now. Like what are you doing? And she was like, she was like, that's you're a, a, a crazy person. You can't go do that to someone. You can't show up and explode into their life out of nowhere. And I was like, ah, why? He probably wanted us to. You know, there's no chance get that back. Right. I just yelled at him. I was like, you have no sense of adventure. <laughs> well, I think what I said to you at the time was some version of like, if the two of you had shown up on my doorstep or some version of this plan, I would have, you're right. I would have been thrilled. And I also would have been very stern with you that it's not a good thing that you should do to someone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah that's, that's, that sounds about right. Oh. Uh, yeah, I think you, I think I think the, the the phrase you said was something along the lines of like that would have been a lot. It would have um, been a lot. Yes. That would have that would have been a lot. <laughs> I, I was like, oh, actually, I, I may have to concede that she made the right call. I, I, you know, there was a whole thing built up in my head over the last twenty years, or whatever it was, like fifteen years, knowing about you. Right. Like I was like, you know, I'm coming through like Tommy Boy, like Chris Farr, <laughs> like brother. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, to your credit, it would have saved me a trip to Chicago. So. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That was a good trip. Yeah, it was good. All right, here's a big question that the podcast kind of hinges on. Tell me what you think about this idea of me going to find my biological father, and I want you to just be brutally honest, whatever you think. Oh, I, I love it. Let it rip. Go for it, brother. Hit it. I think this is, you know, uh, it, it, it falls in line with, the the way that I responded to finding out about you mm -hmm. was I wanted to go and just find you. 
and have it be this thing. And I think that's kind of what you're doing here is you're going to go and find him and have it be this thing and, and, and see what it is. You know, life hands you, you know, depending on your life, life hands you some adventures or opportunities, you know, the, 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 the opportunity to take an adventure. And I think this is one that uh, is incredible. I think, you know, it's, 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 it's a huge part of the foundation of your entire life is the, 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 the start where it all came from. You know, you get to kind of go back to the, I guess, the, the alpha, uh, you know, of the alpha and omega, you know, comparison here and just kind of go see the beginning of it mm-hmm. and, and, and for whatever it is. But I would say, if you know, good, bad or ugly, let it rip. Go see what happens. You know, life for the living. Go find out. Yeah. Well, and you can somewhat live vicariously through me because I'm just going to go have the have the adventure that Molly d- denied. You. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Make me look like a lunatic, but here you go. I, I if I had surrounded a podcast, suddenly I would have been an innovator. Exactly, it's art. This is That's art, exactly. Matthew. That's what I just—I just wanted a big moment. I didn't—I forgot to commercialize. It. What was I thinking? Oh well, I am the big brother. I'm here to—I'm here to, I'm here to no, sort it, of show you the way. You were wise. I missed out. We're going to end the episode with a conversation with my sister Molly about all this. The interviews you just heard were done with Anne, Matthew, and Aunt Eileen over the phone, with them calling into the studio. This one is different. We started episode one of this show with Molly sending me a Facebook message. Now season one comes full circle and ends with Molly and I talking, but not in the studio. In this interview, I'm holding up my phone and it's recording our conversation while the two of us sit together on the couch in the living room of our mom, Regina's old house, with our mom's dog curled up asleep next to me. Again, listeners, thank you for coming on this journey with us. Here's my interview with my sister, Molly. Um, Tell me what you think about the idea of me going to find my biological father. Ooh, that's (laughs) loaded. You know, more than anything, I totally get it. Like, I totally understand. Obviously, I totally understand the um, the the sense, the the drive. You know, like the. Um, but I think more than anything, I just feel personally protective of you. You know, and that I don't. You know, as much as I know that you. Like I know you'll be okay, but I. You know, even just as we've been talking about how, like, you know, with COVID, it's been the, we were just talking about how it's been this pause in terms of processing everything with our family mm-hmm. and what I think has been a, you know, good experience, but how it's still super emotional. Mm-hmm. I don't want you to discount, you know, how emotional it might be if that's a bad experience. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's not, so I just, that's the, that's the only thing that I worry about, but I understand wanting to do it and and in many ways needing to do it you know for sure but i just you know as i'm I'm so happy with this like little like you know cocoon we have now mm-hmm. and i i i don't want them to and who knows like maybe maybe it'll be good you know there's always a chance it's going to be a good experience and you know <laughs> sure <laughs> but it could be yeah. i mean the only literally the only thing you know, I, I can't put any, like, you know, I can't put bad family stories from when this poor man was, like, 17 years old. Right, <laughs> you right. Know, and paint him with this brush 50 years later. I feel 
understanding of the desire to do it, the need to do it, but protective of you in terms of how you may feel after if it doesn't go well. Mm-hmm. I love that. Um, there's something about um, processing all of this and um, sort of figuring out my place in the family and my relationship with you. Um, that's so fascinating uh, and, and really interesting to experience um, just on a very intuitive level, feeling the truth of being your big brother, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I don't know what the other part is, but like the, the idea that you have a sense of protectiveness of me. I think maybe, you know, maybe it's sort of like this idea that like I've been out in the wilderness, <laughs> you know? And we brought you home. And you brought me home. Yes.